0: Points Make prizes in Formula 1, and to win the big ones, you'll need both drivers contributing across the season. Hello folks, welcome to Grid Talk. My name's Aaron Harper, and today we're here to discuss the 2024 F1 driver pairings. Joining me today are Grid Talk host Tom Downey. Hello. Grid Talk host Owen Medford. Hello. And Hit the apex is Joe Adyaku. Hello. Before we get stuck into this episode, we must thank our sponsor for today, BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games. Available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use the mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code. Believe for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B L E A V. Bet online, where the game starts. And also make sure you follow us on all of our social channels at Grid Talk UK to stay up to date with the show. So, what are we doing here today podcast or ping pong? Well, we've canvassed the opinions of our group of GridTalk panelists and ranked the duos competing in the 2024 F1 season all hoping to help their teams to the best possible Constructors' Championship finish this year. We've ranked the teammates from 1st to 10th and have established today's ranking based on each pair's average position. So, we'll get things started with the team bottom of the table, and that is Sauber in 10th place. The highest placing they got was 6th, and they got a lowest placing of 10th. Five people put them in... In fifth, including all of us here today on the show. Valtteri Bottas and Zhou Guanyu are decent drivers on their day. Bottas is even a winner of some nine Grand Prix. I feel this is a lineup that's. Dishwater is that something you would agree with, Owen?
1: Yeah, like if they were, if they, were, you know, if I was to pick a color to represent to represent these two drivers, and, and I mean it in the nicest possible way. Obviously, you know, Valtteri Bottas is a race winner, and Gran Ujo has, you know, has shown that he's got some promise on on occasion, but it is only on occasion. But they'd just be magnolia, like that's all they'd be if you watch. It. Like I'm, I'm gesturing at the walls behind me if you're watching on the video podcast. But yeah, no, I just it's. I mean, they've had almost the most amount of retirements last season. You know those aren't going to entirely be uh driver error, but driver error sorry but you know the, the the most exciting thing about bottas is his physical appearance on a t- on occasion and and you know that that comes through on the calendar that they did that, that he's done like other than that you know gran Yuzhou is an okay driver but he does seem to be of the, the you know the kind of driver that he's not like yuki where he does seem to have that x factor on occasion like he just he seems decent enough, he seems a bit more like, I don't want to say it, but he seems almost like a marketing driver if you're Alfa Romeo or, or formerly Alfa Romeo and wanted to sell some cars over in China, but beyond that, there's just nothing you know, you're not not—you're not seeing any spectacular results out of them, you know, and I think the biggest thing about it is that as far as I can tell, but you know, even Haas finished higher than them, but the, the, the highest place finished last year in this unique opportunity we have to uh, this year to to look at the performances of all the drivers last year in comparison to what they could do this year they didn't even fi- finish as high as Hass did at any point uh, you know th- the highest place was eighth and I think that's why honestly they've been to take this sort of ignominy of the uh of the 10th place the the, the the worst driver pairing that we see on the grid like I say and, th- and that includes Bottas being a proven race winner and and a decent one lap qualifier on occasion, but I think it's just that the the ability they have is 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 not to overcome the car, and that and that's usually the mark of a good dri- of good drivers and and a good driver pairing in this case.
0: Yeah. So that leaves Sauber or whatever they're going to be called, bottom of the pile. They'll be hoping that they don't actually finish there in the constructors' championship. You could argue perhaps that if there was a stronger second driver, we might see a better version of. Bottas. But we'll move on to a team you mentioned there, Owain, in Haas, who this week parted company with their longtime team principal, Gunther Steiner. Now, they were placed fifth by one of our panellists, and they got a lowest placing of 10th. Jawad, Owain, and I each placed them in ninth. Tom, you ranked them in eighth. And Now, their drivers, Nico Hülkenberg and Kevin Magnussen, were both Brought in by Gunther Steiner, there's plenty of experience in this pair, Jawad, and they've got pace. Is this ranking maybe more reflective of the car's performance than the driver's?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think a little bit it is, but I'm also still yet to feel convinced by Magnussen in particular. I know Magnussen, when he returned in 2022 alongside Mick Schumacher, kind of walked all over the uh, then second year f1 driver but then when Olkenberg was brought back last year after three years on the sidelines not having a full-time drive it almost seemed natural to hulkenberg compared to magnuson and you know i've been a fan of magnuson since he made his debut with mclaren 10 years ago now which will be the case and he scored that infamous podium on debut as well but i just feel like you know even if it is to do with the car or not, you know, he is very, he's got those peaks, he's got those troughs, and we've seen so many of those troughs, which unfortunately bring this lineup down the order i feel Hulkenberg on his day, is consistent you know and he was ultimately brought into the team by Steiner who's no longer with Haas as you mentioned to bring that consistency experience to the lineup instead of instead of Magnus, not Magnussen sorry Schumacher who unfortunately was making incidents so you know it's going to be a tricky one to i mean they can easily Prove us all wrong and and prove that they're very much in the midfield this year, and both drivers will put in great performances. But based off what we saw last year, it's really hard to say. And while I'm going to rate Hulkenberg, Magnussen's still the questionable one to me. So I guess now the the direction that you know Gene Haas wants to go in with his new team principal Ayo Kamatsu, more of an engineering focus. They reckon that they can unlock more from. The package that they've currently been optimising, if that ends up being the case, which will be best case scenario for Gene, of course, with the decision he's made, then we'll naturally see more from these drivers. But if not, and, you know, I've read quotes from Magnuson saying, well, you know, the fact that we've still got pit stop rattle guns from like 2016, of course, we need investment in the team, then it's, you know they're probably going to finish at the bottom of the constructors table and if there's no changes made going into 2025 we'll probably be sitting here this time next year putting them right at the bottom of the table in terms of drivers
0: yeah let's hope that Ayo Kamasu can get more out of the team and it's a, a bit of a hero or zero move from Gene House, isn't it he doesn't really seem to want to put in the investment but he wants to try and get more out of what they've got so it's It's a bit of a balancing act and it'll go one way or the other. We'll have to wait and see on that. Let's move on to eighth place in our rankings and that goes to Williams. They were placed highest in seventh by two of our panellists and they were given a lowest placing of tenth. Gerard and I had them in eighth. Owain was one of those two people who put them in seventh. Tom, you put them in ninth. Now, there's no denying that Albon is a quality driver, but Logan Sargent left a lot to be desired at times in 2023. Personally, I feel this is quite a fair position for their ranking, and most of the points are probably coming from one side of the garage, aren't they, Tom? Well, let's be
3: real, all of the points came from one side of the garage, because Sargent, yes, he got one point, but that's because two drivers got disqualified and he moved up the grid. You know, he didn't get there on pace, if we're being real. And you know Albon is a decent driver and if you look at if you look at the driver that he was when he was ousted from Red Bull you know he was almost sort of like a broken man and then he's coming to Williams he's had two seasons there now and he's been absolutely doing bits you know he, you know it especially in the Williams of 2022 when it wasn't really that good it felt like that team had taken a step backwards. You know he outperformed a Tiffy, not difficult, and uh, and then you know you know again got 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 the majority of the points. You know, done some interesting strategies like Australia's twenty twenty two boxing on the last lap, that kind of thing. So you know he's uh, you know there's no there's no questioning like you know, Albon is decent, and you know the, the direction the team has taken as a whole over twenty twenty three has definitely only emphasised that. But what what the direction that the team took in twenty twenty three has also emphasised is the almost vast gulf between him, and that's no that's no pun on their sponsor, by the way, it's, you know, sort of emphasised the, the gulf that's between himself and Logie Bear in, in the other car. So, you know, Sergeant is obviously the weak link, and, you know, we've got a few teams up and down the grid which are sort of quite heavily imbalanced. I don't think Williams is the biggest example of that. I think we'll come on to the other one later on. cough Aston Martin, I'm sorry. But, yeah, you know, just Sergeant, you know, he's... It, there were times when you know album was putting his car you know sort of like right up there in the midfield. you know if he was qualifying in like you know like p 13 and sergeant was like languishing in like p19 only out qualifying one of the house or one of the saubers or whatever they're called this week so you know it, it's i i stand by why i said what i ran to ninth because sergeant is such a i don't want to say dead weight because that one sounds harsh but you know the sergeant is such the sort of weak link in in that team and, and because both drivers aren't sort of like you know they haven't got one driver who is like as sort of like head and shoulders above the rest if you compare them it's like Aston Martin or something because obviously you know Alonso is Alonso that's why I think Williams just this driver pairing is just a little bit further back yeah that's that's I mean that's my thoughts on it you know I'm Sergeant is Sergeant. You know, he just, whenever he had an opportunity in 2023, Lucas Amvor, he banged it in the wall twice in two days. So, you know, he's, I I do think he got better towards the end of the season, but the bar was pretty loaded with.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky, obviously, for a rookie coming in. The cars are so technical now that they can be a bit tricky to drive. Hopefully, we see a better Logan Sergeant this year and this pairing can move. Forward in both our rankings and in the Constructors' Championship. They've secured their future partnership with Mercedes through to 2026 and beyond with the power units. So, yeah, they're they're closely aligned with one of F1's biggest teams, and hopefully, Williams are on the right track to gain towards the front again. Let's go to our next team then. P7 goes to Alpha Tauri. That's what they're called at the moment that is subject to change racing balls or whatever they might be maybe just call them minardi i think everyone would appreciate that there were they were highest placed in fifth position and two people placed them eighth as their lowest tom had them sixth jared and i had them seventh you were one of those two people ranking them eighth it's kind of hard to know exactly who's actually going to be behind the wheel of one of red bull's second team's cars in any given season, and sometimes even from weekend to weekend. But is this the strongest pairing in the former Minardi's team history, Owen?
1: Easily, which I think says a lot about their previous pairings. I mean, I, I think you know, I think we've got the, the the kind of weird scenario in that we've got an AlphaTauri team who's not kind of being used uh, in in the way that they have previously. I think Red Bull of, you know, the Red Bull machine is cycled through so many drivers that we've now had to bring. You know, we've got Yuki Tsunoda from the Honda connection, obviously, and, and how Marcus seems to think very highly of him. I think less so. I think he, he has flashes of brilliance, but a lot of the time, you know, he, he pushes a little bit too hard and causes himself issues. And Daniel Ricciardo, obviously, is a proven race winner, a proven, you know, the, the, we thought it was a real talent when he came into the sport, and particularly when he sort of challenged Max Verstappen, obviously he had a, a rough period, you know, out in the cold. As at both the sort of Renault and then particularly McLaren, he seems to have shown promise, as we know. But you know, I think there is just the, the weird. It was almost a rookie mistake that put him out for five races, and he he wasn't sort of setting the world alight. Maybe that was the car prior to that, and I and I just think that maybe there was a little bit of, you know, that, that it, it's just a bit too tumultuous. I think if you are a team, you really want some sort of stable stable kind of result and you're not currently getting that out of ricardo maybe we'll I i would absolutely love to be proved wrong by both of these guys i think you know maybe the third season of these cars you know maybe this car gets better and the and the drivers get more comfortable you know and, and, and more settled and like i say it's, it's sort of a, a known driver lineup now and and hopefully they can sort you know extract good results and we'd have a and we'll have a better rating for them but i think as a driver pairing right now they're just a little bit too all over the place and i think I think maybe I think maybe I've been a little bit harsh and taken their bad moments more than their good, and other people maybe have put, t- put taken their good moments more than their bad. I think multiplied together, we have probably end up with the right placing for these two drivers on average. You know, I think I think it's a promising driver lineup, but I think it it maybe has a little bit left.
0: No, I agree. I think it's a a fair positioning because even amongst ourselves, their average would probably be seventh. Tom six, Jalab Nye 7th, and Owen you the mate. So it, again, it, like you say, it depends on where you focus whether you focus on their their pros or whether you focus a bit more on the drawbacks of that pairing. Right, let's move to P6. The best of the bad bunch is Aston Martin. They were placed as high as fourth by two people, and someone actually placed them tenth. Adam and I had them in fifth. Tom, you had them in seventh. Owen, you were one of those people ranking them in the top four. I'm quite surprised that a team with Fernando Alonso in it has somehow managed to rank outside the top five. Are you surprised by this as well, Jawad? Does it perhaps show that Alonso's skills are finally on the wane?
2: I think it's more so to do with his teammate, I'd say. It's it's lucky, like, I don't know whoever did rank him in fourth, uh, what they were thinking. Maybe they perhaps rated Lance Stroll a bit better, but honestly, I tried my best to not let the worst of stroll dictate my rating in this respect because when you look at the way he ended last year you know he had a pair of fifths in the last you know two of the last three races and then scored points in Abu Dhabi as well yet you know what is still going to remain a galling statistic is that with a car that was capable potentially of winning a race, we'll never know in the early part of last year, he failed to record a podium. But this is a driver that, you know, we're reminded by the Stroll faithful that has a pole position, he's got a couple of podiums, he scored a podium in 2017 Williams, which, you know, was, was not... The most desirable of the Williams cars. So I like to think with a bit of optimism, finally, Stroll will get his act together. I won't be too disappointed if he doesn't. But obviously, two time world champion Fernando Alonso last year was very much a renaissance year, which, you know, I know Aaron, you don't want to hear that, but, you know, he did put together a season which, you know, we're used to from vintage Alonso who just manages to pull out results. It managed to extract the most out of the car when it was at its best but then you know when it did struggle we saw the dark side of Alonzo emerge he did get a bit catty over the radio yes we didn't hear GP2 engine but I reckon we weren't far off from that so you know if everything is going swimmingly which you know let's all say best case scenario because we don't know what the cars are going to be like this year that you know on paper this could be a lineup that you know can cause trouble you look back to 12 months ago when they launched the amr21 Alonso was very much hyping up his teammates saying oh you know he could be world champion on some day so you know if, if we're going to drink that kool-aid then yeah you know by all means they could be the fifth best lineup to look forward to but then potentially whoever did rank them 10th you know could could end up that way because Alonso will quit halfway through the season if the car doesn't feel right and yeah stroll just do stroll things
0: yeah I mean I was kind of tongue-in-cheek with Alonso he is a, a fantastic performer in a Formula One car but like you said we do see the dark side of him come out sometimes he's very very demanding isn't he Fernando So that is the bottom five. And before we move on to the team we've ranked in P5, if you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you're one of those 72% people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel on YouTube, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. Doing this really helps the channel out and helps us reach more Formula One fans. So let's get on to that aforementioned 5th placed team. It's Alpine. They were placed actually as high as 3rd and they were placed as low as 7th. Tom, you had them in 5th. I and Zhao had them in 6th. So this is kind of of a sort of spot on, I think, their positioning. Bit of a surprise to me that Alpine are above Aston Martin. But Gasly and Arcon are a solid enough pairing. Both race winners, of course. Even if behind the scenes at the French team, it's just a revolving door of various F1 personnel. Tom, what do you make of this pairing? I think
3: when pe- I think when people are sort of talking about Alpine and sort of you know with this one is sort of like what we said about what I said about Williams and the whole point of this show is we're talking about driver pairings, not about the team. And if you look at the driver pairing of Gasly and Ocon, you know they both had a podium. This year guys uh, i uh, just for whenever i say this year, i mean 2023 i know we're in 2024 but you know fight me hand uh, and also gasly had a p3 finish in the sprint in belgium so you know two podiums but you know one grand prix podium one sprint well done mate i think that's what we call the the podiums for, for a sprint is well done kid yeah so you know, if you look at that you know they're very evenly matched obviously i've got that super p3 in monaco after a great qualifying performance you know they both want a race each you know through you know through you know, a bit of help from external factors you know obviously you know i'll one for alpine a couple of years ago at hungary and you know you can't with that win for alfa tauri and bonza emulating seb You know, it's, you know, to change the red bull, they didn't work out. It's, you know, the the, the actual driver pairing, I think they're very sort of, like, evenly matched. You know, they were pretty even in terms, you know, like, qualifying head-to-heads and race finishing head-to-heads. You know, Archon had a bit of trouble with reliability. You know, like, when went bang in Singapore, you know, he he was on for a pretty good finish in Singapore, so that, that skewed the results a bit. But all in all, you Know Alpine, they you know the, the drivers are really, really evenly matched. I'd say, you know, I, I there was some rumors that you know, past they didn't get on that well with each other because there was a bit of sort of you know, there was a bit of sort of history of when they're in karting or when they're in junior formula. But if that has happened, we haven't really seen it in the public eye, it's been nipped in the bud. That would have likely been talked about beforehand anyway. by whoever the team principal is this week and uh, and yeah you know I think the driver pairing themselves is is pretty decent I don't think now you know they both had good very good Junior formula careers I saw Ocon racing in in uh 2015 in gp3 as it was at the time and you know he you know he stormed to that title and then you know 2016 he was in I think super formula I can't remember then he obviously got the call a manner and then you know, and then went to Force India, and then obviously now at Renault, aka Alpine. Now, see we all know, you know, ha- you know what what happened with him. You know, came in mid to through twenty seventeen, and you know, all the rest of it. Took the senior group, ended up at the same team. So it's, you know, it, they're they're good drivers. Do I think either of them could like really sort of like if Alpine found themselves in a place they were like the top team? I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, do I think that, you know, if Alpine found themselves you know, like leading the pack when you could one of them, like, actually sustain the title challenge? I I don't think either of the drivers has that in them. I think they're both solid drivers. I think they complement each other. I think the driver sort of, like, I think from what we've seen on track and perhaps what we haven't seen, it looks like the driver pairings be handled quite well. And I think with Alpine, the issue is with the team itself, which I'm not going to talk about because that's not directly relevant. I'm trying to focus on the drivers. And I think the drivers are compliment themselves, but the team is an absolute doo-doo show.
0: Yeah, I think the, the pair conducting themselves quite well actually showed that they, they were being big boys about what happened before. They, they'd both grown up and, you know, obviously time passes, time's a good healer and they've moved on and they did a pretty decent job last season, all things considered. Let's move on to our top. Then and in fourth place is Red Bull, and they were only placed as high as fourth by all of our panel. Uh, seven people did that, they were placed as low as seventh, though, by one panelist. Tom, Jowad, and myself had them as fourth best, and you had them just behind in fifth. It's kind of a am I reading this correctly scenario, isn't it? The champion team of the last two seasons has, according to our panel, only the fourth best lineup. Surely Sergio Perez isn't that bad, is he, Owen?
1: Yes, he absolutely. I think he is. I think you know he's got under half the points of Max Verstappen, and that's not how the points play out. That's not how they're given out, which tells you one thing. Like you know, you get you get two thirds of the, roughly two thirds of the points in second compared to finishing in first, not including sprint races and stuff, not including the well done. But yeah, I think I think that's indicative of you know if he's got. You know, just under half or about half. That I think that actually says more about his finishing position, which is it's not where you know you, we try and we've tried not to look at car performance, but I think in this case it's prudent to look at car performance. That is the that is statistically the most dominant F1 car of all time. If you look at Grand Prix victories, twenty one out of twenty two races. That's a ninety five percent win rate. That's more than the MP four four which previously held the record, and yet so it's, and and by that measure, Sergio Perez. Should be getting sec- should have been getting second places all of the time, you know. But but sorry, by the odd people running into him or things like that. But we saw even as late as Singapore, which admittedly was a bad weekend, and it was actually remarkably one of the one of the closer of the weekends, you know, in Singapore and Qatar and things like that. You saw Sergio Perez fighting it out with the bat markers, even in Japan as well. He where he where he retired and I think that says so much about the driver pairing it it is a pairing you know Max Verstappen pretty much beyond very few things that he could have done better in this season beyond you know inspire his team to maybe set up a car better for Singapore and, and win that race but beyond that they should have won everything else and you know it should have been one two victories across the board you know and he didn't do that because I don't think he's as good of a driver, and we've we've come to this conclusion many a time on on grid talk. But yeah, I think he drags down the average of the whole team. It's it's not a good pairing. It may be a good thing. It's maybe what Red Bull need because of their, well, I'll be honest with you, ability inability sorry to manage two drivers. We saw that with with you know a, a slightly closer bearing of Weber and Vettel, and they couldn't do that. Or or Ricardo in his in his prime days and. And Verstappen, they are, they are unable to manage to manage that relationship and seemingly unwilling to. And as a result, they then have to sort of lump it with a subpar driver pairing. Sorry, excuse me. And I think that says a lot about this is the first time, you know, 2023 was the first time that they ever had, a, uh, they've had a, a one-two in the, driver's, uh, in the driver's standing. Every other time they haven't done that, even when they've won the championship. So I think that says an awful lot about their philosophy as a team. But yeah, they have to hope. that 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 their second driver is good enough, but not too good. And I think that hurts them, honestly.
0: Yeah, I think if the field is a bit closer at the front this season, we might see Red Bull miss out potentially on that Constructors' Championship position because there are now, according to our panel, three teams with better balanced driver pairings ahead of them. And one of those, in third place, is Mercedes. And four of our panel rated them as the top pairing, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell that is, and they were actually placed as low as 10th by someone who will remain nameless but they know who they are. Jawad, you and I had them top of the table, Owain you had them second, Tom had them in third. I'll admit it, I can't understand how a driver pairing with 104 Grand Prix wins between them is only third best, but I'll leave that earlier statement about the lowest placing for you lot to make up your minds about why. So, Jawad, other than them being placed in 10th, explain how this has happened.
2: That they're 10th or they're the best driver pairing on the grid? Uh, They're the third best. Oh, they're the third best. Look, I guess when we get to the pointy end and looking at sort of the top three lineups that we do have on average, it was really difficult to pick. And, you know, when we get to number one, I'll be like, look, you know, they're they're my team, you know. There are a lot of our team on Grid Talk, but you know there is a bit of rationality that comes into it too. And yes, it's it's early days this year, so I'm still thinking with my rational brain. And yeah, between Hamilton and Russell, look for me, Russell in 2023 did seem a li- little bit out of his depth. There was mistakes. He had a bit of bad luck with reliability and whatnot, but ultimately. You know, we saw the class of a seven-time world champion extract every little bit out of a car that, you know, we know that he doesn't like, he's not comfortable with. He could easily kick stones and, you know, do a Fernando Alonso, as we've seen on numerous occasions through the Spaniard's career when he's had a bad car, but he persisted and somehow dragged, you know, this team to second in the constructors where arguably Ferrari had the the faster car on paper and you know albeit this is not a discussion about team performance and cars but it was purely driver performance for me last year that saw mercedes take second and on his day to russell performed quite well and we saw the couple of podiums he did get that it was well executed you go back to 2022 when he did take his maiden grand prix win his form was sensational so i feel like you know other than internal conflict which is quite possible given that we've seen it at mercedes before when both drivers have been really competitive and a position to fight for world championships not guaranteed that that'll be the case this that yeah the because the caliber of drivers is that high that we see this tension so the fact that, you know, myself and you, Aaron, have rated them number one also comes with a caution that, yeah, there could be some tension this year too. And part of me also wants to to see that. You know, I think there was that whole thing with Bottas, how, you know, Hamilton enjoyed the years with Valtteri because there was no... Tension, like he had with Rosberg, and then as soon as you get the young upstart in in Russell come in, you expected there to be chaos and it to go back to the Rosberg Hamilton tension. But because you kind of have to put that aside and work towards a common goal of making the car and the team competitive again, it kind of gets put to side so, put aside. So hopefully, if the car is is can be quicker and in contention for wins this year, we'll see. These two at their very best, and I think at their very best, they are very much the best lineup on the grid currently.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to dispute that they are at least one of the strongest pairings, if not the strongest. And I think the ratings that the positions that we four have given them reflects that. And it's very, very close between the top three, really. So we'll move on to the team in second, and that is Ferrari. They were placed as high as first by one of our panellists, but six of us placed them in third. Tom, you and I had them in second position. Owain and Jawad, you had them in third. Leclerc and Science are a very good pairing, and the monogas driver has that X factor of blinding speed, but Science maybe has the edge when it comes to racecraft. Tom, do you agree with their placing in this ranking? Just about, you
3: know, th- th- like you said, you know, these top three teams just so close in terms of these driver pairings, and I undernapped, undernapped about over who I was going to put first and second between McLaren and Ferrari. Ultimately, you know, I, I put Ferrari where I did. You know, th- I think Signs is criminally underrated in in F one. You know, yes, you know, he's that bit older. You know, you know, he didn't come in and set the world a lot. Like, you know, like Leclerc or you know, like Hamilton or. You know Norris, Verstappen, you know those those kind of drivers. You know, he 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 sort of took, I say, took his time. You know, he he it took him longer to get accustomed to F one. You know, he he started F one in twenty fifteen. Let's not forget. You know, alongside Max in in the Toro Rosso, as it was. So, you know, he 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 was a bit of a late bloomer, and so his career was perhaps almost, almost sort of on the ropes. You know, he he went to Renault and then, um, you know, had a season and a half there. Then went to McLaren. Obviously, got that podium in twenty nineteen in that fantastic Brazilian Grand Prix, and then obviously, you know, jumped ship to Ferrari when Danny Rick and Tony McLaren. And I think a lot of us at the time were thinking that, you know, he was going to be very much the number two driver and all the rest of it. But if you look at 2021, bear in mind, Leclerc had two pole positions. so I know he had a DNS in Monaco that year. Signs outscored him in terms of points. 2022, you know, yes, you know, Leclerc won more. But I think arguably signs was hit more by the reliability issues of the ferrari that year you know i think it was just more pronounced with the club because he was leading when his engine went pop and i think a big turning point for signs was when he won in silverstone and then you know he was doing really well in the following race in austria before his engine turned into and then if you look at the 2023 season you know he he got two good pole positions uh, you know monza and i can't remember where the one was oh singapore of course it was. Duh. And then, you know, and you know, I I think what Sainz showed in that race in Singapore, that was his most complete performance to date. It's like, you know, when when his race engineer was saying, you know, landed behind with DRS, and he said, It's on purpose, you know, that you know, that, that says so much about how it, I really like Carlos Sainz you know, perhaps my sort of my viewpoint is perhaps a little bit biased on this. If it comes across as that well, I'm not gonna apologise because I like Sainz and I think he is a good driver. Leclerc is better over one lap. There is no questioning that Leclerc is better over one lap, and you know we've seen. You know, he, Leclerc is one of those generational talents. You know, we saw how he how he sort of like mopped up in uh, GP3 and then F2, or I think I think he was Sud GPC when he won it. He, you know, he you know he, he he won back to back, and you know you only see that with the likes of you know like the next best thing. You know, you know, George Russell. Yes, I said that. You know, I th- you know, I, I think I think Norris could have done that. You know, had that had that twenty eighteen F two had not been hampered, so he's stacked with talent and victories. And, and you know, that's why I think those two are so closely matched. I think Leclerc obviously got the he's got the edge when it comes to outright speed. I don't think there's any denying that. But signs his his racecraft, the way he's matured, I think, and I think because signs is that little bit older, he's he's the same age as me. You know, so why am I not in a Ferrari? I know why. I'm too fat. You know, it's, uh, you know, science has got that racecraft. He's got that sort of like, he's got the sort of critical thinking. And whilst, you know, he might not be qualifying quite as high up the field, you know, he knows what he's doing and he's got two race wins under his belt now. And I know that might not sound like a lot, but if you look at sort of like how much of a complete driver he's becoming, combine that with Leclerc's absolute raw speed and, you know, ability to pull a lap out if you look at some of the pole positions you've got in in 2021 that's why i think those two are so so evenly matched
0: yeah it's a very balanced lineup there maybe you even get to the point where you've got all the right skills in the team but they're actually just sort of split too evenly across each driver so the team might see one driver do well in one session then another in a different session It, it might be a little bit imbalanced in that sense but Certainly two drivers who can get the job done if they give them the right machinery. So, top spot goes to McLaren. It's an early win for the Papaya team this season Then, as they top our list. Five of our panel had them in first. One person had them in third. And that was me. Um, I'll be honest, I couldn't put them first because they don't have any Grand Prix wins. If they had a single Grand Prix win, they'd have been at least second for me. Uh, Jawad, you placed them second. Owain and Tom you placed them top obviously Oscar Piastri is going into his second F1 season he finished last season pretty strongly actually with a very very good rookie year and Lando Norris is simply counting down the days to that first victory I'm going to come to all of you on this and obviously a little bit conscious for time if you can keep your answers shorter on this would be a bit more concise that would be great Um, Owain surely this ranking is just all based on
1: I don't think it is I think piastri is clearly you know he was clearly worth the legal fight norris is a proven you know a a proven sort of driver with the ability to win races apart from apart from sorry a couple of hiccups here and there the team has i think the most second places outside of red bull and admittedly that came with a car upgrade but let's be honest it's formula one the car is a lot of, of your sort of performance and i think that the the two drivers are extracting kind of almost, you know, very, very near the maximum in mean, what is quite a congested, tumultuous second-place spot. So, I, I, you know, I have no qualms about giving them second place, and I think with a slightly better car, they can actually, they can challenge for the titles.
0: And Gerard, if that does happen and the car gets better and they're challenging for potential race victories, maybe even fighting with Red Bull, maybe Mercedes, and it becomes a, a four-way scrap at the front, is this... A lineup that has the chance to actually become the most combustible on the grid. We mentioned earlier, obviously you mentioned it, the George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, there could be some friction there. But with the potential in this team and for it to be a long-lasting rivalry, is that a possibility of McLaren? They're gonna have to manage this this
2: dynamic? Absolutely. And we saw flashes of it last year. What we got with Oscar and what we've seen with Oscar so far is that he is very level-headed he's cool mature as well and in his rookie year he wasn't trying to step on toes and when he was asked to move aside for his more experienced teammate Lando there was no argument he did as he was told and of course it's all just gathering experience and momentum for him because he sees the bigger picture whereas it's the other side of the garage unfortunately with Lando where I see that there could be a bit of volatility and the fact that, yes, you know, Oscar was green. He was He's not driven a car competitively for a year before he had stepped in to do a full season last year and then he didn't get the upgrades until after Lando did, obviously. So he, he was naturally on the back foot but also learning. So it is dangerous when we do see oscar completely unlock his potential that what kind of lando are we going to see because while we praise lando for his talent and you know i'm big fan of lando as well he is not the coolest of characters and that's what worries me a little bit we have seen him get flustered before and everyone will be quick to say russia 21 you know it was a win that kind of washed away with the rains in Sochi that day but at the end of the day he made the call and whether it was the right call you know we know the answer to that and we saw him in qualifying at times late last year where you know potentially he was in the hunt for pole position where just a little mistake comes through, and yes, you know he's still young. You know he's twenty-four years of age. It's 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 young, but then by Formula One standards, you know you should you could be world champion by then. Ask Vettel and uh, Verstappen, but it's it's where I see a bit of risk in this lineup. That you know I think Oscar Piastri definitely has you know no limit to unlocking his potential at the moment, but Lando just. Until that, I think we get that first race win and you know get the monkey off the back. There's just going to be, yeah, there's a bit of uncertainty behind it, and he's one to easily get a bit flustered, I reckon too. And so coming to you finally, so
0: which position ranking has surprised you the most? Is it the McLaren at the top of the list?
3: No, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the. The chaps here—they've already covered off you know, some some good points about, about McLaren. You know, I, I I think they are probably the most evenly matched. If you look at how they performed, in, you know, you know, good results as the car got better, we saw that we saw the, the the team's results increase. Uh, that you know, like Joward said, as soon as Piastri got the upgrades, you know, he was then sort of like, whoa, you know, there's a reason why McLaren, you know, got him from from his contract and basically made Alpine look like idiots that they do that. You know, so yeah, you know, McLaren, you know, whilst they don't have all you know, sort of like all the results, you know, compared to you know, like a Mercedes or a Red Bull or you know a lot you know Alonto and Aston Martin, I agree that I think they're the most complete, or not the most complete, but they're the most evenly matched driving pair in the grid.
0: Excellent. So that brings us to the end of our list. Um before we finish the show, we always give our panelists the opportunity to promote Anything they're involved with, and of course, two of our analysts today are part of the Grid Talk family. Although everyone is part of the Grid Talk family, uh, but Owen, you're one of the Grid Talk hosts. Tell us in thirty to sixty seconds all about the Grid Talk podcast.
1: So yeah, the Grid Talk podcast. Obviously, we uh, we cover all the races. So. We currently run a uh, a race show, and we also do a preview show. The race shows are recorded live right after the session, up to one hour just just one after hour, uh, one hour after the session, and we go through all of the drivers uh, and try and sort of tell their story of the race, give our panelists an opportunity to sort of give uh, their take on what happened during the race and the performances and how good or bad they uh, end up being from each of the. We go through the whole season like that. And, and even do special shows like this where we sort of round up our ratings for the se- for the drivers this season.
0: Excellent. I think that was about 60 seconds. So, Tom, you are also part of the Grid Talk family, but you're also involved in Formula Talk. So tell us all about that.
3: Yeah, so Formula Talk, it was the brainchild of Sophia, one of the panellists here at Grid Talk. It covers anything non-F1. So last season it was F2, F3, F1 Academy. And this season, I think, we're branching out, I say, I think we are branching out to things like Formula E and IndyCar. And so, yeah, so there'll be plenty of content coming from that. And everywhere you find Grid Talk, you'll find Formula
0: Absolutely. Definitely give it a listen if you're into the Feeder, Feeder series or series across the world. And Jawad, you're coming to us all the way from the future in Australia. So can you tell us about Hit The Apex?
2: If, if you're keen to know about it, it's it no longer exists actually, because I've decided to call it a day on Hit The Apex this year, but the back catalogue is available if you wish to go and listen to six or seven years worth of F1 and V8 Supercars podcasts on all the good podcast platforms. But you can find me on my personal social media handles for X and Instagram, which is at Dr46th, TH on the end, because... Valentina Rossi and Doctor Who, you know they they both are pretty cool things. Ben, yeah, why not plug Grid Talk a merchandise on Redbubble as well if that's if that's still going. If there's going to be a a new drop for this year too, that would be
0: yeah, absolutely. Make sure you check out the store. Lots of goodies on there, including T-shirts and coasters and all sorts. I think there's some notepads as well in there. You can find more from me on my YouTube channel AHGP where. I show Ferrari how it's done by managing a Formula 1 team properly. Uh, I'm currently in the middle of a a journey with Mercedes where I've taken them back to the top and I've recruited a free agent, Oscar Piastri, to partner George Russell after Lewis Hamilton retired from the sport as an eight-time world champion. So come and join me there for some F1 manager fun. We do live streams, experiment videos, and all bits in between. And if you're new to Grid Talk or you haven't, or you've been a long-time listener, you know where to find us, but Grid Talk is available on YouTube, where most episodes are recorded live, as Owain rightly informed us, but you can also find us on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal and Pocket Casts. Just search Formula 1 Grid Talk for our full back catalogue of shows, with previews, reactions to qualifying and race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon. This will help us get mics, lights and better recording equipment. And make sure you subscribe to the show so you know when we are going live every week, we have a new episode released and we will go live after qualifying and each roll three. And of course, get involved in the conversation. Tell us your driver pair rankings in the comments. My thanks to Tom, Wayne and Jared for joining me today. And finally, thanks to you for joining us for today's Grid Talk podcast. Presented by Bet Online. We'll be back soon with more F1 discussions, but it's goodbye for now.